Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend asked if I would read from my work as something they might find comforting and familiar amidst the uncertainty and anxiety we're experiencing from multiple sources in 2020. As of this opening, I've read Perishables, the first book of my five-book vampire and urban fantasy series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka falstaffbooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Perishables link. Now I'm reading from my short stories and other works, and occasionally I'll invite on a writer friend for special episodes called Public Domain Radio. Thanks for listening. All right, let's get back to Dracula by Bram Stoker. Took a bit of a break for a few weeks, just, uh, you know, non-podcasting life taking over. But today I am really feeling it. So let's do this. 30 September. Oh, let me back up just a second. First of all, I need some of this reading tea. This is, again, it's iced tea because it's a little early in the day for reading wine. I don't know. I guess it's a little early in a weekday for reading wine on a day when I also had to work. I actually don't really judge at all uh, at any hour, but hey, anyway. So, some reading tea. Mmm. Oh, that does hit the spot. I've had this uh, ridiculous epic saga of a home appliance challenge to deal with lately. And today it was resolved. And I feel so much better. Now, Mina Harker's journal. 30 September. When we met in Dr. Seward's study two hours after dinner, which had been at six o'clock, we unconsciously formed a sort of board or committee. Professor Van Helsing took the head of the table, to which Dr. Seward motioned him as he came into the room. He made me sit next to him on his right and asked me to act as secretary. Jonathan sat next to me. Opposite us were Lord Godalming, Dr. Seward, and Mr. Morris, Lord Godalming being next to the professor and Dr. Seward in the center. The professor said, I may, I suppose, take it that we are all acquainted with the facts that are in these papers. We all expressed assent, and he went on. Then it were, I think, good that I tell you something of the kind of enemy with which we have to deal. I shall then make known to you something of the history of this man, which has been ascertained for me. So we then can discuss how we shall act, and can take our measure according. There are such beings as vampires. Some of us have evidence that they exist. Even had we not the proof of our own unhappy experience, the teachings and the records of the past give proof enough for sane peoples. I admit that at the first I was skeptic. Were it not that through long years I have trained myself to keep an open mind, I could not have believed until such time as that fact thunder on my ear. See, see, I prove, I prove. Alas, had I known at the first what now I know, nay, had I even guessed at him, one so precious life had been spared to many of us who did love her. But that is gone, 
and we must so work that the other poor souls perish not, whilst we can save. The Nosferatu do not die like the bee when he sting once. He is only stronger, and being stronger have yet more power to work evil. This vampire which is amongst us is of himself so strong in person as twenty men. He is of cunning more than mortal, for his cunning be the growth of ages. He have still the aids of necromancy, which is, as his etymology imply, the divination by the dead, and all the dead that he can come nigh to are for him at command. He is brute, and more than brute, he is devil and callous, and the heart of him is not. He can, within limitations, appear at will when and where, and in any of the forms that are to him. He can, within his range, direct the elements, the storm, the fog, the thunder. He can command all the meaner things, the rat and the owl and the bat, the moth and the fox and the wolf. He can grow and become small. He can at times vanish and come unknown. How then are we to begin our strike to destroy him? How shall we find his where, and having found it, how can we destroy? My friends, this is much. It is a terrible task that we undertake, and there may be consequence to make the brave shudder. For if we fail in this our fight, he must surely win. And then where end we? Life is nothings. I heed him not. But to fail here, if not mere life or death, is not mere life or death. It is that we be... Sorry, I lost my place for a second. <clears throat> but to fail here is not mere life or death. It is that we become as him, that we henceforward become foul things of the night like him, without heart or conscience, preying on the bodies and the souls of those we love best. To us forever are the gates of heaven shut, for who shall open them to us again? We go on for all time aboard by all, a blot on the face of God's sunshine an arrow in the side of him who died for man. But we are face to face with duty, and in such case must we shrink? For me I say no. But then I am old, and life, with his sunshine, his fair places, his song of birds, his music and his love, lie far behind. You others are young. Some have seen sorrow, but there are fair days yet in store. What say you? Whilst he was speaking, Jonathan had taken my hand. I feared oh so much that the appalling ma nature of our danger was overcoming him when I saw his hand stretch out. But it was life to me to feel its touch, so strong, so self-reliant, so resolute. A brave man's hand can speak for itself. It does not even need a woman's love to hear its music. When the professor had done speaking, my husband looked in my eyes and I in his. There was no need for speaking between us. I answer for Mina and myself, he said. Count me in, Professor, said Quincy Morris, laconically as usual. I'm with you, said Lord Godalming, for Lucy's sake, if for no other reason. Dr. Seward simply nodded. The professor stood up and, after laying his golden crucifix on the table, held out his hand on either side. I took his right hand and Lord Godalming his left. Jonathan held my right with his left and stretched across to Mr. Morris. So we all took hands our solemn compact was so as we all took hands our solemn compact was made. I felt my heart icy cold, but it did not even occur to me to draw back. We resumed our places, and doctor Van Helsing went on with a sort of cheerfulness which showed that the serious work had begun. It was to be taken as gravely and in as businesslike a way as any other transaction in life. Well, 
you know what we have to contend against, but we too are not without strength. We have on our side power of combination, a power denied to the vampire kind. We have sources of science. We are free to act and think. And the hours of the day and the night are ours equally. In fact, so far as our powers extend, they are unfettered, and we are free to use them. We have self-devotion in a cause and an end to achieve which is not a selfish one. These things are much. <clears throat> now let us see how far the general powers arrayed against us are restrict, and how the individual cannot. In fine, let us consider the limitations of the vampire in general, and of this one in particular. All we have to go upon are traditions and superstitions. These do not at the first appear much, when the matter is one of life and death, nay, of more than either life and de or death. Yet must we be satisfied, in the first place, because we have to be. No other means is at our control. And secondly, because after all these things, be it tradition and superstition, are everything. Does not the belief in vampires rest for others, though not, alas, for us, on them? A year ago, which of us would have received such a possibility in the midst of our scientific, skeptical, matter-of-fact 19th century? We even scouted a belief that we saw justified under our very eyes. Take it, then, that the vampire, and the belief in his limitations and his cure, rest for the moment on the same base. For let me tell you, he is known everywhere that men have been. In old Greece, in old Rome... He flourished in Germany all over, in France, and in India, even in the Chernoseas, and in China, so far away from us, in all ways, there even is he, and the peoples fear him at this day. He may follow the wake of the berserker Icelander, the devil-begotten Hun, the Slav, the Saxon, the Magyar. So far, then, we have all we may act upon, and let me tell you that very much of the beliefs are justified by what we have seen in our own so unhappy experience." The vampire live on and cannot die by mere passing of the time. He can flourish when that he can fatten on the blood of the living. Even more, we have seen amongst us that he can even grow younger, that his vital faculties grow strenuous, and seem as though they refresh themselves when his special pabulum is plenty. But he cannot flourish without his diet. He eat not as others. Even friend Jonathan, who lived with him for weeks, did never see him to eat. Never. He throws no shadow. He make in the mirror no reflect, as again Jonathan observe. He has the strength of many of his hand. Witness again Jonathan when he shut the door against the wolves, and when he help him from the diligence too. He can transform himself to wolf, as we gather from the ship arrival in Whitby, when he tear open the dog. He can be as bat as Madame Mina saw him on the window at Whitby, and as friend John saw him fly from this so near house, and as my friend Quincy saw him at the window of Miss Lucy. He can come in mist which he create, that noble ship's captain proved him of this, but from what we know, the distance can make this mist is, he can make this mist is limited, and it can only be round himself. He come on moonlight rays as elemental dust, as again Jonathan saw those sisters in the castle of Dracula. He becomes so small, we ourselves saw Miss Lucy, ere she was at peace, slip through a hairbreadth space at the tomb door. He can, when once he find his way, come out from anything or into anything, no matter how close it be bound or even fused up with fire. Solder, you call it. He can see in the dark, no small power this, in a world which is one half shut from the light. Ah, but hear me through. He can do all these things, yet he is not free. Nay, he is even more prisoner than the slave of the galley, than the madman in his cell. 
He cannot go where he lists. He who is not of nature has yet to obey some of nature's laws. Why, we know not. He may not enter anywhere at the first, unless there be someone of the household who bid him to come. Though afterwards he can come as he please. His power ceases, as does that of all evil things, as the com- at the coming of the day. Only at certain times can he have limited freedom. If he be not at the place whither he is bound, he can only change himself at noon, or at exact sunrise or sunset. These things are we told, and in this record of ours we have proof by inference. Thus, whereas he can do as he will within his limit, when he have his earth home, his coffin home, his hell home, the place unhallowed, as we saw when he went to the grave of the suicided Whitby, still at another time he can only change when the time come. It is said, too, that he can only pass running water at the slack or the flood of the tide. Then there are things which so afflict him that he has no power, as the garlic that we know of, and as for things sacred, as this symbol, my crucifix, that was amongst us even now when we resolve, to them he is nothing. But in their presence he take his place far off and silent with respect. There are others, too, which I shall tell you of, lest in our seeking we may need them. The branch of wild rose on his coffin keep him that he may move not from it. A sacred bullet fired into the coffin kill him so that he be true dead. And as for the stake through him, we know already of its peace, or the cut-off head that giveth rest. We have seen it with our eyes. Let's go ahead and stop there. Woo! I love that part. Okay, so uh, one of the things that I love about this novel is that basically they're the Scooby Gang. They're these like proto-hippies by Victorian standards. <coughs> Excuse me. Because they're like sitting around the table holding hands and taking silent oaths to one another and saying, yes, we're in this together. We're a team. That is not the way that like we think of it happening in a story like this. And, you know, you think on like 20th century horror is almost always about people who think the cast of characters in, in a lot of 20th century horror are individual characters who think of themselves as individuals and as, you know, well, surely I will be the one who survives. And so you look at something like, I don't know, everything from the night of the living dead movie and that whole franchise up through, I don't know, walk, the walking dead. Yeah. The walking dead where the only people who make it are the ones who actually work together as a team and everybody out there who says to themselves, well, I am an individualist ends up being food for whatever the monster is. So I find that just really fascinating how like that's key to this novel. And that scene is a really beautiful scene of that. Also, like there are a ton of problems with the uh, hat relationships in this book, but I have always really loved the moment when Jonathan takes Mina's hand and they just look at each other and they both know, yeah, we're in this together. We're a team. We're doing this. Nobody's going to stop us. We're not going to back down. I just, that's, I don't know. I really love that. Uh, that's just so great to me. And then it's so fascinating to see Stoker clearly like really loved science fiction ideas. I don't think he would have called this science fiction. I don't think that term existed at the time, but clearly he was like into some of that kind of stuff and science fiction. ideas were built into a lot of sort of the Gothic horror that he was trying to build on, 
you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, for instance. Um, but it's so interesting to see him like explicitly call this out as like the vampire is a creature of tradition and superstition and people all over the world believe in vampires on the basis of tradition or superstition. And it turns out that a lot of those are actually true, but we have not only the tradition and superstition, but also the tools of science. I really like that. That's a really great flavor to the story for me. Also, <laughs> Van Helsing just kind of like laundry listing the features <laughs> of the vampire player class. Um, I really dig that because you go through that paragraph. This is one very long paragraph. My editor would have big words for Bram Stoker about that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you go through this sort of laundry list of the vampire strengths and weaknesses, and you just see, I see anyway, one vampire movie or book after another pop out from each detail. They can't be invited in unless they, they can't come in unless they're invited. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, they don't cast reflections. Um, well, that's a lot of things. You know, garlic, that's countless things again. Garlic is um, Lost Boys. You know, so like it, it, down this laundry list, you see the way that this book is whence we get the entire genre of vampire stories. Now, that said, there were vampire stories before this one. That's true. Um, I'm probably going to read one of them for the Patreon version of this feed, which, by the way, if you're into patreon.com slash Michael G. Williams, for three bucks a month, you get a whole separate podcast feed where I just read like public domain horror and science fiction. Anyway, I love that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I, I love seeing the foundational elements of the entire genre represented on one page right here. It's just really fascinating. Anyway, I've talked for way too long, so I'm going to stop here. I'm going to save this off. I'm going to fire up another recording and take another sip of this tea before it runs out. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. The theme music is Bucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons Attribution License at ccmixter.org.